There we go. There We're we live. Are. It took us a while. It took us a while, but uh, we figured it out. We got live. Woo! Low quality, Corey has to run it from this end. So not only am I streaming in low quality, but the computer is running slow because of the slow internet. And a good Thursday afternoon, everybody. This is, of course, the South Side Beat every Monday through Friday, live 3 to 3.30 Eastern here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. He is Chris Halleck. I'm Corey Christen. And Chris, uh, wow, what a display today here on the Fiery South Side. I can Matt tell you that Canada. much. It's not fire, Matt Canada. It is fire. Fiery Matt Canada. Um, it was quite a show today over here on the south side. Of course, around uh, 11.45 a.m. Eastern, Matt Canada and Tara Lawson both took to their respective stations uh, out on the back by the practice fields. And uh, as you can imagine, Chris, what do you think was said today? Um, well, I think, uh, Matt Canada was, uh, informed, uh, however he was informed, whether he went and found it himself or whether Steelers PR found it for him and told him, however it was, he was told about the, uh, comment that was made on the CBS broadcast about how he said that the offense wasn't built to come back from behind and, there isn't enough time to read the entire quote, but I what he went on for what two minutes, more than two and minutes. A very, today. very um, passionate rebuke of um, that, and uh, yeah, we have assertive Matt Canada. I went with fiery Matt Canada today, just because you know everybody wants him fired, but he was just fiery. That's just the best way I can describe it today. This was the fifth uh, coordinator Thursday of the year. And this is the second coordinator Thursday, two out of five, if you're doing the count at home, where Matt Canada was very impassioned, where Matt Canada was very out in front of things. That that might be better than their uh, third down conversion rate, by the way. I'm not mm, sure yet. You're going to have a breakdown of uh, a certain fourth and one play on DKPittsburghSports.com later. And uh, Matt Canada's explanation, I won't say excuse, but explanation for that was that was the play we had to call. That was the play we were going to call. That was top of our fourth and one play sheet right there. The the shotgun, Kenny Pickett bootleg to nowhere, and then he you know suffers a bone bruise in his knee <laughs> as you throw your hands emphatically into your face. Okay, I hadn't I hadn't watched I hadn't watched John John. Thank you so much. Member for four months. I hadn't heard everything Canada said today because I've been working on this breakdown piece. I had no idea he actually said that. Uh, that it was I at quote, the top of the – yeah, please give me the whole quote. Well, well, it, I, I'm paraphrasing that, but and I quote, that was just the play we had at the time and obviously didn't get the result we wanted. <laughs> for those it's listening so audio painful. only – That is – that's painful. For those listening audio only, Chris is rubbing his face emphatically with his Double hands. face palm. I have a headache after today. I know that. And, Double uh, face palm. That, there's only that, so much we just, can do today. That okay, I'm really not getting emotional here, but just from a pure football sense, this has nothing to do with Steelers. This has nothing to do with anything else other than football sense. That it's a snag concept. That's what the that's what the play was. It's a snag concept. Without okay? giving too much away from your story. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> believe me. The, the the nugget that I have for the story is not coming on here. You're gonna have to wait for DKPittsburghSports.com later. Um Later this afternoon, uh, I'm actually almost done with it. I just have to get all the little plays made so that you can see all the all the plays and everything like that. But I already have the art set up for like so you can see each route and everything like that. But um, a snag concept 
will work against certain coverages. Like if you if you're talking about cover two, which is what the Texans were in in that play, the, that takes the flat defender out of it. If the cornerback stays low and defends the flat and cover two, which means usually the safeties are going to be the two high. Um, and that's what happened on that play. Then the cornerback takes the flat away. The flat was Pickett's first read. You have to have other options. If you're, you need a yard, like yard and a half. You have to have other options. As if okay, when Mike Tomlin says Pat Fryermuth and Dan Moore weren't available, so we didn't want to, we, we couldn't do jumbo package. That's one thing. That that's already kind of like all right. But if you're telling me that the next best option is a snag concept on fourth and one and a half, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Uh, I could I could give you something that'll make you feel better, Chris. I'll give you something that makes you feel better. Joey Porter Jr. is not going to start just yet. Terrell Austin pretty much said that. There was another coordinator that spoke today in the form of Terrell Austin, the defensive coordinator. And he said Joey Porter Jr. is not going to start just yet over Pat P. or Levi Wallace. And uh, this came before I was able to hop over media scrums. Obviously, Canada and TA going at the same time. And, uh, you know, walk over to TA, and he already was asked a Joey Porter question. So I asked a different Joey Porter question. And he said, look, Joey's buying into the process. He's buying into what they're selling. He's learning. He's getting better. He's doing this and that. That's great. But at, at, we talked about the rookies the other day. I think it might have been yesterday. I don't remember. It's all been a blur. Uh, the rookies need to be playing more. Keanu Benton's doing that. Darnell Washington really has it. Joey Porter really has it. Nick Herbig played four snaps. And I asked T.A. about Nick Herbig. And he's like, yeah, we're going to let the game come to him. The game came to him. Oh, where he whoa. was pretty much the MVP. Am I back? Am I back? We got a low quality core. Yeah, yeah. You cut I, off I, for like back? a good three or four am seconds. I, You're good. Am I You're back? Good. All right. Yeah. So Nick Herbig, who was the defensive MVP of the preseason, had, saw four snaps in that game against Houston. I know TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith exist, but you would think that they would try to draw something up for that kid. The point is, it is a personnel problem. It's a coaching problem. It's a scheme problem. It's a problem on all fronts. My story yeah. today on DKPittsburghSports.com is going to focus on the offense and the disconnect between the players and the coaching, the players and the play calling. Execution is is the big thing, right? That gets preached by all the players. Yep. Najee Harris's comments after yesterday's press conference, and I missed it because I was on this very program, um, were very, very stark to me about how players play, coaches coach. They could call the stuff, we, but we're pinning it on the coaches, but they aren't. The players are taking accountability responsibility. There's a quotient of leadership that Najee's showing in all of that, and that's great, but at the end of the day, these players still have to be put in the best positions to win, and they're not being—they're not being given that. No, they're not. But but there there is there is a a token of truth to what Najee said, regardless of the concepts that are called the the, the sequencing of the play calling. However, it goes, the players are not executing the play calls more times than not. They they just aren't. Whether it's Pickett missing a throw, whether it's a receiver getting lazy on a route, whether it's an offensive lineman blowing an assignment and then there's no pass protection and Kenny has to improvise um, on the defensive side of the ball, whether it's cornerbacks not uh, containing the the edge whenever he should, um, whether they're miss, straight up missing tackles, whatever it is, Players are just not executing right now. This is not a coaching problem only situation here. There's definitely issues with coaching. I'm, I've been really, really open and honest about that. But Najee is 100% right when he said the players, we have to execute, and they just aren't. 
mm-hmm. they aren't. I mean, we saw the first sign of life of the running game last week, and that was Najee looking good. That was the, the run block starting to look better. That was the collective of the running game beginning to kind of creep and being like, oh, okay, I kind of almost remember what it looked like when we ran the ball well last year. Like, that's what they'd be saying to each other. Like, like, wow. But that's been it so far. There's been nothing in the passing game. Not having Deontay Johnson doesn't help, but next man up mentality. But, I mean, that's what they all preach over there. Players just aren't executing right now, period. AJ uh, sees what Mike Tomlin saw in the film. Pad level's horrendous. So much more physical than the Steelers were, were the Texans. Uh, looked like the whole team was dosed with melatonin. That's what AJ says. AJ, that's exactly what Mike Tomlin saw and said yeah. and talked about uh, in length in his press conference on Tuesday. And if you want our reaction to that, you can rewind and watch Tuesday's episode. DK Pittsburgh Steelers broadcasts are found. Again, I say it every day. I love when our viewers give me a chance to plug something. I will do <laughs> it ad nauseum. Okay, Chris, um, I want to talk more about Terrell Austin real quick and the Steelers defense because for as bad as the offense has been and it's well documented by this point how bad the offense has been the Steelers defense has also been bad they are also 29th in the NFL in total defense right now this defense has not gotten anywhere and Cam Hayward could be a big part of that going forward now you know this Chris players that are on injured reserve are typically not supposed to talk to media however Cam Hayward gave his time pretty judiciously today uh, over here on the south side after practice, which is a rarity. Yeah. It is something that we do not take as a commonality. Now, he no. said he is expecting to be back this year, but does not have a timeline just yet. So yeah. that is a little bit of a concern for me because the original reporting, I do believe, suggested eight weeks for Cam to be out about half the season uh, from the time that he sustained the injury. But if the Steelers have to go – four more weeks without Cam, one more month without Cam, this is difficult stuff to navigate through on top of the issues they've already compiled. Well, I would – I I'm, believe me, I'm not, like, underselling the fact that, like, missing Cam Hayward is absolutely a problem. I'm not denying that. Um, however, this defense found a way to make things work to a certain point. They weren't this bad – when TJ Watt missed seven games last year, they just weren't, they were bad. They weren't, but they weren't, they weren't like nearly dead last in the NFL against the run. Like they're just getting gashed every which way. They're still giving a big place through the air. They're the only thing they're really doing is getting to the quarterback, but they, but that's been kind of streaky even because they did it really well against the Raiders, but they didn't do it at all against the Texans. So no, like, I, I mean, yeah, Cam Hayward being out, sh- yeah, that that's definitely an impact. But guess who's stepping up and playing really, really well? Keanu Benton. And he's about to get more playing time. So they have another guy who's showing up in the middle who's being productive. I'm not saying he's playing Cam Hayward level, but he's playing pretty freaking good. So the, the it's not like the drop-off from Cam Hayward to the way Ke- – I'm not saying to Keanu Benton because I'm not putting him on that pedestal yet – but to the way Keanu Benton is playing right now, that drop-off isn't nearly as significant as when TJ went out last year and you were going all the way down to Malik Reed, which was non-existent. Uh, okay, Mike, so, yeah. Mike brings up that Cam is not going to save the Steelers, and he's right. 
not alone will Cam Hayward save the Steelers, but there's still an impact that he makes. He's still probably the second or third best player on that defense after Watt and Highsmith as of right now, or fourth maybe. It, it depends on how you want to rank it, but he's a top four player on this defense. You know, when you look at Cam, uh, TJ, Alex Highsmith, and Minka, like that's mm-hmm. just the bottom line. So missing one of those top four players is going to hurt any team. And he's the leader of this team. He's the team captain. He's the heart and soul of the team. This team goes as Cam Hayward goes, as far as the heartbeat is concerned. So, yes, having Cam Hayward out, I'm not going to undersell that as anything minor. I think it's a big deal that he's out. And him saying that we don't know when when the groin's going to heal and he's going to be back, that's a big deal to me. So I wanted to bring that up and highlight that. And, yes, there are other issues to this defense, namely the secondary. Aside from a couple of Levi Wallace interceptions and a Pat Peterson interception against the Raiders, really nothing from this secondary. Really okay, nothing from this I secondary. Gotta, okay, Knight Rider 16 saying, Benton playing so great, we're getting ran all over. Gotta love it. Um, it it takes 11 guys to stop the run, not one. One guy can be playing really, really well, and four guys can be playing awful, and you can get gashed on the ground. That Levi Wallace might be the worst run defender on the team right now, and that absolutely is – first off, that's alarming because – he was actually pretty good against the run last year. And when you look at two of the really, really big runs that, they, that they've given up this year, that's been mainly a Levi Wallace blown assignment. Not only him, I'm not pinning that all on Levi, but he's not containing his edge. Play went back his way. He wasn't containing his edge. They went up the field and got a really large gain. Benton is asked to do one thing in the middle, playing like a three-tech or a two-eye. And that's eat space. Beat your guy if you can, but eat space and definitely keep your gap integrity. He didn't do it that great against the Raiders, but he did it a lot better against the Texans. And so, no, Keanu Benton is absolutely playing well. You can get gashed on the ground and have one guy playing really well on the inside. And by the way, if you watch that Texans game and watch how the Texans designed their running schemes, here's here's the basic rundown. See Pat Peterson, see Levi Wallace, run at Pat Peterson, run at Levi Wallace. That's how they're, run, they're scheming these run games up. Because, and the reason why, one of the reasons why, rather, Joey Porter Jr. is not starting yet is because he is poor at tackling. He has not been a good tackler since Latrobe. I pointed this out in Latrobe. If you read my winners and losers piece out of training camp, Joey Porter Jr. was on my losers list for this reason. He, I'm not saying he regressed, but he showed that he does have warts to his game. Joey Porter Jr. does. He's too handsy, which is why, you know, there's a fear Living in your fears, it's kind of been a theme this week, I think, Chris. There's a fear that Joey Porter Jr. um, will be too handsy and get pass interference calls on him and everything. But he also has not been a good tackler, really, since he's gotten here. So, Minka's leading the team in tackles because he has to. Joey Porter Jr.'s not playing because he can't tackle. Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson getting run at, and that's tiring him out, and that's causing more... Uh, breakdowns, if you will, to what's going on with this run defense. And if the Steelers are going to have any shot to beating the Ravens, they have to stop the run. It's that simple. Yeah. I mean, and the, the like I said, the one good thing I think for this week in particular, and that might sound like you don't know what you're talking about, but the Steelers typically, and from, from doing a little bit of digging into the numbers, not a complete dive, the Steelers seem to struggle more against zone concepts than gap concepts in terms of like running. Um, 
sorry, my dog is making the funniest sounds. Or he's dreaming over there, and he's just making the funniest sounds. It's distracting me. Um, no, but the he's Ravens, talking, man. Yeah, the the um might be having a nightmare. Um, but um, no, the Ravens uh run predominantly gap concepts, and that might serve the Steelers a bit better. And it's probably one of the reasons why the Steelers have usually done a little bit better against the Ravens when it comes to containing the run. Like, yeah, like it doesn't always work. There have been times where they've been gashed on the ground. Um, that ultimately does come down to execution, but they, they tend to, this defense tends to do better against teams that run gap, gap, gap concepts than zone concepts. And so that might be a, a nice change of pace for them this, this week. Um, but it's still not going to be easy just because JK Dobbins is out for the season does not mean it's mean it's going to be easy at all. Uh, I love the point from Jonah here. Worst part about the sec worst part about the secondary is that it's forced to make it a play out of position. Can't be a fact that it factor safety the way they're having to use them. Completely agree with it. I don't like having make a running around, you know, into the box, out of the box, blitzing, not blitzing, free safety, strong safety, slot corner, outside. I don't like it. He needs to be playing in one spot. He needs to be playing center field with that defense. He needs to be playing back. I, I think that's a tremendous point. Um, and B. Phil, JPJ can't tackle. He asked the question. This was a concern for me from training camp. I didn't see him really stand out in the tackling department at all. And by this point, it's not just Joey Porter Jr. The, the, the Steelers DBs that, you know, pride themselves. What does Mike Tomlin say, Chris? Big men running and little men hitting. He likes yeah. his little men to hit. He likes his cornerbacks to hit. His well, cornerbacks are not great at hitting right now. No. And uh, you go all the way back to the senior bowl. Uh, Grady Brown, the secondary coach, was uh, one of the coaches at the senior bowl. He was the defensive coordinator for one of the teams uh, at the senior bowl. And when we were talking with him, obviously, about Steelers stuff, you know, when it came to draft preparation and everything like that, because obviously he wasn't there just to be a defensive coordinator. He was there to get a closer eye, a closer look at these prospects. And the one thing he really stressed when he talked to talked to reporters there, uh, talked to us there, was cornerbacks have to tackle if you play in this division. You, you, it's a requirement. You have to tackle no matter where you play in the, in the National Football League. But if you're going to play in this division, in the AFC North, where the Ravens pride themselves on running the ball, you got to play them twice a year. The Browns pride themselves on running the football. You got to play them twice a year. The Bengals are more of a passing team, but they got Joe Mixon. They can run the football. You got to play them twice a year. You're going to have to tackle if you're going to play in this division. Doesn't doesn't matter if you're playing nose tackle, cornerback, safety, linebacker. Doesn't matter. You have to be able to tackle. They're not doing it right now. Rob Lightfoot says we're missing Camp Sutton. Chris, I think it's arguable they're missing Akella Witherspoon as well. Ooh, I don't know about that. Witherspoon was not great last year. <laughs> He was he's, hurt. He's one of the best. He was hurt. He's one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL right now in terms of allowing. Uh, what is it? Quarterback rating. He, he's yeah. allowed like a thirty-seven. I have to look up the exact number. Quarterback rating against the opponents. Like he's been great in co in, in coverage this year. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's one of the situations where I mean, now granted, when 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 we're talking about Akella Witherspoon, his twenty twenty one, he really showed flashes of being like, okay, this could be a dude. And then obviously last year he got hurt. He was doing the hamstring injury and he, he just never got right. Um, he missed a lot of the season. Uh, but even before he had the hamstring injury, I never saw anything that was like, okay, where's the 2021 version of him? Like, so that wasn't one thing that I was really missing. The, the thing, the, 
Cam Sutton was a was a big was a big one. Even whenever he signed, and even after they like resigned or they ended up signing Patrick Peterson, I was still like, if you have to, if money is no object and you have to choose, obviously Cam Sutton should be the ob- obvious choice. His versatility, his ability to communicate, his ability to, to to cover, to tackle, all that stuff. He was just a really really good cornerback, and it sucks that the Steelers weren't able to to keep him because. I know they wanted to, for sure. I had multiple people in the organization tell me he was the priority in free agency. It just, the, things don't always work out. Does it look like low-quality Corey is, uh, it looks like we have no quality Corey right now. Somebody put that in the comments right now. Corey is completely frozen. Actually, it looks like he's uh, um, watched the ring video with the way his face is frozen right now. So um, we'll uh, take some comments uh, while we're trying to get no-quality Corey back. Um, Mike Jones. Oh, yep. Corey just completely dropped. So, uh, Mike. Oh, there's Corey. I think this is a sign. (laughs) Have to end a little early today. We got ten minutes, man. I can, I can, I can pick things up if you drop out. It's no problem. You, if I drop out again, you're gonna have to take us home. That was that's that was the worst one we've had on the low quality Corey days. That was the worst one we've had. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Hold on. No, it's not too specific, AJ Dub. Is it too specific to ask Chris about Sam Hall's recovery on the fourth and one play? Um, no, it's not. Uh, th- that absolutely had, I think that might have had, without actually talking to Kenny directly about it, that might have had a little bit of what, a little bit to do with why he spun out of the pocket the way he did, because his, his defense, his assignment did a spin move to the inside. And for just a split second, it looked like he was a, like that defender was going to get right around Sayamalu, but he ended up tripping and falling. And so nothing ever came of it. And so when you, but when you look at the all 22 from the end zone, it looks like, holy crap, Kenny's like that, that dude's going to be right in my face. I need to bail out. But then when you look at it from the sideline view, there was actually a, a bit more time and space than the end zone view gives you. So I still think that that's a situation where Kenny, just needs to kind of sidestep in the pocket that there are worse po- quarterbacks have made throws from worse pockets than that. I'll, I'll tell you that. So uh, Sam Alu did enough of his job with that one, especially since his dude ended up going down to the ground. Ooh, Mark brings up a fantastic point. Kevin Dotson and Kendrick Reed are playing like above average pro lineman. And he's blaming Pat Meyer, the offensive line coach. Um, I think there's, there's truth to the first part of that statement. Kendrick Green played really well on Sunday before he got hurt. And Sean McVay over in Los Angeles has very outwardly praised Kevin Dotson and his work. And Kevin Dotson, once he really got used to the Rams playbook and was acclimated, he slid right in as the starting right guard. So there's a lot to like about what Kevin Dotson is doing in Los Angeles. Um, and, And obviously these two guys were castaways by the Steelers in training camp. For, for one reason or another. So I think that's a very good point uh, that Mark brings up right there. Uh, the fourth and one, Chris will have more of a breakdown yeah. on that fourth and one play on DKPittsburghSports.com a little bit I, later. I'll give you I'll give you at least I, – I don't have the exact headline right here in front of me to read, but the headline is pretty much going to be that that suggests that that one play – really is just it fully encompasses everything that's wrong with the Steelers offense right now like everything I um, noticed the oh god god yeah Sorry. no just, just I mean it's 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 the play calling 
It's the, the what's going into the decision-making. It's the lack of awareness when it comes to situational football. It's player execution. It's just, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't capture every single problem because obviously it's not a running play. So you can't put any of the running place issues in there, but it's just really, really indicative of just what is wrong, especially when it comes to the passing game. It's just, it's, it's, it's bad. It's really, really bad until we see something consistently moving forward that suggests otherwise it's going to continue to be bad. Any final thoughts before we get out of here, Chris? I think it's best that I uh, try to take take care of things while I can, while I still have a connection. Yeah. <laughs> so let's give some final thoughts before we sign well, out of here on a Thursday. Go ahead and give yours, just in case you start to cut <laughs> out again. We'll, sure. we'll let you bat lead off on that one. The thing that I'm most concerned about by this point is the loyalty. And we talked about this Tuesday with Mike Tomlin's press conference, how there's loyalty to players, how there's loyalty to the, the coaching staff, how there's loyalty to the way that things are done around here. There's loyalty to the Steeler way, to, to Steeler Nation, to this family business that is different from anything else like you see in the National Football League. And now I'm starting to wonder if, 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 and worry to an extent if that loyalty is going to creep up and be the thing that Mike Tomlin just, like, dies on that hill. A.J. Dub comes in with $5. Dotson and Green look like they now have the right amount of duties asked to them. Thank you for coverage. AJ, thank you for listening. Thanks, AJ. I appreciate it. Thanks to the rest of you that were able to tune in live on a a Thursday here. Chris, I'll give you a final thought, and then uh, we can, as long as I'm still here, I'll sign us out. Yeah, um, well, I'll kind of go with this. uh, Mr. Nick Time, um, impressions of Pat Myers coaching. Um, Obviously, not not being there and seeing it this year, I, I can't you know, actually comment on it when it comes to this year. But, you know, through watching last year, and being there every day and, and seeing, you know, what the, the progression of the offensive line last year. Um, I actually had a lot of respect for the way Pat Meyer coached his group. Obviously it was really rough early on, but they got things sorted out and that line ended up becoming one of the, I mean, top half of the league for sure. I think, I don't know if you'd quite put them in the top 10. I think that's being a little generous, but to say that they were one of the, 16 best offensive lines in football. I, I think that's pretty fair. I mean, they, they ran the ball effectively. Their pass protection was much better. Um, they were on the same page. It just, it continuously got better as the season went along. And it was with, uh, you know, while trying to, you know, for a couple of guys really trying to learn more outside zone blocking, which is not easy to do on the fly. It's not easy to do when you're trying to get acclimated with five guys. It, it does take time, but this year, obviously, there are a lot of red flags. Um, I think right now, Isaac Samalo is probably your best offensive lineman. He was really good in pass protection this past week. So if you're starting to see him kind of hit a stride, that might be a, a good little kickstart um, for, for the line. Uh, I'm not ready to, 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 to just throw my hands in the air and say, though, this offensive line is, is crap and it's going to be crap all season. You know, I'm re- I'm willing to give them about half the year to kind of see, okay, is it starting to trend in the right direction? And there were some signs of it, especially with the running game, with Sam Mala's pass protection, that maybe it's starting to go get a little bit better. Maybe. Um, obviously, you just need to see it more consistently. How are they going to look against the Ravens? How are they going to look after the bye week? You know, once they start to maybe get a little healthy to get James Daniels back, you know, what happens when Dan Moore comes back? So on and so forth. So I think the offensive line, I'm not ready to give up on them yet. But 
that's that's what I'll say with that. All right, Chris, we'll do this again Friday. We'll find out, I'm sure, during Friday's show as we have the last couple of weeks who is it and who is out for the Steelers as far as a uh, injury report is concerned. Uh, a lot of injuries to be accounted for in both the Ravens and the Steelers' side. Uh, Marlon Humphrey and Odell Beckham, namely, were uh, limited in yesterday's practice for the Ravens. But, Mar- but Marlon Humphrey, that's the fir- I think that's the first time he's practiced this year. I mean, he hasn't played. I, I don't know. I don't have to look back at every single Ravens injury report, but he hasn't played this year. So if he's a limited participant early on, Tiger Todd Haley's looking for a job. <laughs> now, granted, Ben Roethlisberger is not the quarterback right now, so maybe that would end up working better. I don't know, but we don't know that one for sure. <laughs> but what I do know for sure is is Steelers Ravens coming up Sunday at yep. Acrisure Stadium, a one p.m. kick. CBS is a game. The whole nation's going to see it. And uh, is we CBS going to going to take another Matt Canada quote out of context this time? Mm, uh, this one's Iron Eagle, and a Syracuse alum would never take anything like that out of context or off the record and throw it on the record as if it was. I like Iron Eagle. Iron Eagle's good. Syracuse alums would not do that kind of thing. He's Chris. I'm Corey. This has been a Thursday edition of the Southside Beat. I promise I will be in better quality tomorrow. You will hear me 100% of the show. And you might hear my kids in the background because tomorrow is the beginning of fall break for my kids. Uh So it's going to be fun. Please remember to please remember to like and share this episode, Chris's kids will do that for us too. <laughs> it's going to be a football Friday tomorrow. It's going to be a party on a football sure, Friday. Of course, of course, we'll do picks. Of course, we'll do all that. DK and Ramon in about thirty minutes. Please remember to like and share and subscribe. That always goes a long way. Heck Hit yeah, that thanks, bell guys. for notifications on YouTube. That's a big one. Hit yep. that bell for notifications so you know every time the Southside Beat or the Ramon Foster Show goes live here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. He's Chris. I'm Corey. We'll talk to you on a football Friday. Cheers, everybody.